So let's read it. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if any if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And he journeyed and came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then, it, then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And so he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? So the centurion said, Truly this is the Son of God. And Thomas said, My Lord and my God. And now Paul says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord. How many could say that this morning? Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Then the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. And then Saul rose from the ground with his eyes. Uh, when his eyes were opened, he saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And what happens there is he encounters Ananias, whom the Lord has spoken to. And the Lord said, Go tell this guy about me. And Ananias is like, No way, Jose. I know who this guy is. He persecutes the church. He's trying to kill us, and you want me to go in his doing? But nonetheless, Ananias obeys the Lord, shows up, and he preaches the gospel to Paul, lays hands on him, the scales fall from his eyes, he baptizes him in water, and we believe he receives the Holy Spirit, right? Because he mentioned that, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. So what a transformation in Paul's life. What an encounter. Now Paul has seen the proof of who Jesus really was. Now it's become a reality to Paul as well. So he was, several things happened to Paul that I just want to highlight before I get any further. First of all, Paul was completely transformed by this experience. He didn't just encounter Jesus and then go back to his old ways. He encountered the Lord and he was completely transformed because any encounter with Jesus should be life-changing. Any encounter with Jesus should be life-changing. Paul just didn't say, okay, Lord, I'm going to add you on to all of my stuff and just go about life that way. No, we don't do that with the Lord. When the Lord comes, He comes to transform you and transform you completely. Paul said in Philippians 3, he was talking about this transformation. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I've counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I've also counted all things lost for the excellency, excuse me, of the knowledge of Christ, my Lord, of whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. So he's saying all of my accolades and all of my resume and all of this stuff I've accomplished, I'm just considering it garbage now in comparison with what I have found in Jesus. And now my goal is to meet him and my goal is to participate in the resurrection of the dead when he comes to raise all of us from the dead. He was completely transformed. 
And then he took this testimony he had and he ran with it. The Bible says, I think there's, I think there's 10 or more times that we find in the New Testament where Paul is declaring his testimony that Jesus rose from the dead and I saw him. I'm one who saw him. He said in 1 Corinthians, I, he was seen by 500. He was seen by Peter and the other brethren. And then he was seen by the ladies. And then he was seen by me. One born out of due time. I was. He even appeared unto me. I know he's living. He told the Corinthians, he said, am, not, am I not also an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? I've seen him. And after he saw him, he was so radically changed that he was willing to give his life at a moment's notice because he had found such a great treasure. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said it's like the pearl of great price. Once you find that pearl of great price, you'll forsake all the others because they mean nothing, man. Amen. I don't know if any of you, I don't know if any of you are loggers in here, but I, one summer I spent logging uh, some land with my dad and we worked, you know, throughout the summer cutting down these white oak, red oak and stuff like that. But we found one white oak, one white oak uh, way up on a mountain. And when we found it, it was worth probably more than we cut the rest of the summer. And I understood what Jesus said. Once you find that, you'll forsake everything else for that. Once you've found the kingdom, everything else pales in comparison to the kingdom. Oh, can you give me a wave out there this morning? Hallelujah. Everything else pales in comparison to the kingdom. So I was amazed when we did this sermon series called Shipwrecked about Paul. He was going to Jerusalem. And he knew persecution was awaiting him. People were telling him in every town he went into. He said, the Holy Spirit warns me in every city I go into what's going to happen to me. He knew he would be arrested. He knew he would be persecuted. And then the prophets came and they would share with him what they felt from the Holy Spirit telling them was going to happen to him. And finally, when the last prophet came to him named Agabus, he backed up and he said, hold on guys, why are you breaking my heart? I'm ready to go to Jerusalem now, and I'm ready to die right now for the gospel. Think about that. That's what, that's what transformation does. I don't understand this Christianity that you can have Jesus and live any way you want to or don't change anything from your past. Once He comes in, He comes in to move in, and He comes in to clean house. Some people said there was this argument, you know, back years ago, can you have Jesus as Savior but not as Lord? I think that's a stupid argument. Because in the New Testament, the word Savior is mentioned a handful of times, but the word Lord is mentioned in abundance. Because they didn't have a discrepancy between the two. When they understood Jesus as Savior means Jesus is Lord. And when Paul accepted Him as his Savior, he accepted Him as Lord and said, Now, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do now? And then, then it, changed the, the it changed Paul's teaching. He began to teach Jesus is risen from the dead. He is risen. There's going to be a great resurrection in the end. He began preaching this stuff. There is a, and he said, that's why I'm in trouble. In the end of the book of Acts, he said, I'm in trouble because I preach the resurrection from the dead. I preach that there's going to be a great resurrection in the future. That's why I've been in prison. I thought that was interesting. He preached the resurrection is going to happen. Not only was Jesus raised from the dead, all believers will be raised from the dead. And then in the end, all people will be raised from the dead. 
One person asked St. Augustine in the 4th century, you know, how do you, why do you believe in the resurrection of the dead? And isn't that weird? He said, oh, it's weird now. But it's not going to be weird after a while when everybody's been raised from the dead. It's going to be quite normal. And he preached the lordship of Christ. He preached this over and over. The resurrection, lordship of Christ, resurrection, lordship of Christ. And then he preached probably a radical idea for his day. And that was you can be saved and accept the work of Jesus not by obeying the law, not by the works of flesh, not by all that you can bring to the table, but you can believe just by faith. And you can be saved because he said we are justified, Romans 5.1, by faith. We are justified by faith. You know what that means? It's like God has a great big blackboard in heaven with all of your sins written on it for your whole life, all of your bad stuff, all of your negative stuff, and when you accept Jesus as your Savior, He comes and takes big Holy Ghost eraser, <laughs> and He just starts erasing all of that past, and it's now all gone. And we as human beings think about something we did 10 years ago or 20 years ago, and we think, oh, Lord, God, am I, am I paying for this now? And maybe we say a prayer, say, Lord, forgive me for that. And God's like, huh? I don't find any record of that in heaven. You know, Billy Graham was asked one time, what's one thing you can't understand about God? And he said, I can't understand this, that God knows everything, that He's omniscient, that He knows all of our thoughts, but somehow forgets all of our sin when we come to the cross. Because what has been forgiven has been forgotten. Hallelujah. People aren't like that, but God's like that. Hallelujah. And when you come, you come not by works, not by your own brilliance, not by your own money, not by your own endeavors. You come by faith and all of the work of the cross is applied to your life and God transforms you from the inside out. If y'all don't shout, I'm going to shout all by myself this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Yes. So what's this mean to you and I? What does, the, what does all that happen to Paul and the proof of the resurrection of Jesus, what's it mean to you and I? Well, I, I think it means the same things it meant to Paul. It means Jesus, you know, he can speak to you and I. He spoke to Paul, he can speak to us. Maybe you're not serving the Lord. Maybe this is the first time this year you've been to church or the first time in a long time you've been to church. Well, you know what? You're in the right place because God's going to speak to you. I'm going to be so bold as to not just say He can speak to you. I'm going to say Jesus will speak to you. He, because He knows exactly how to talk to you. He knows you. He's been with you before you were born. He knows all of your thoughts. He knows how you function. He knows your personality. He knows your quirks. He knows your good side and your bad side. And He knows exactly how to speak to you. Several years ago, I had the opportunity of preaching the gospel in a completely Muslim nation a nation that was 96% Muslim in the Middle East. And I was preaching there and I met a young pastor, Christian pastor. And I heard this man's testimony and it absolutely blew me away. He was born into a Muslim home, raised as a devout Muslim, but he started having dreams of Jesus. You study this, a lot of people in the Middle East are having dreams of Jesus. He had dreams of Jesus. And so he didn't know what to do with it, so he went to his local mosque and talked to the imam there. That's the leader of the mosque. 
And he said, what do I do? I'm having these dreams of Jesus. And he said, well, read the Quran. Get, become a reciter of the Quran. So he did. He learned the Quran. He became a reciter of the Quran. And he was a devout guy. But he said none of that answered the questions he had in his heart. And none of that satisfied the longing that was in his heart. So lo and behold, he was, I think he went to a private school and he had teachers who were foreigners. And he went up to one of the teachers one day and asked them about the dreams he was having. And that teacher just happened to be a born-again Christian. And that teacher shared with him the gospel message and that young boy got saved, got radically born again, went home to his family and didn't know what his family would do, but he shared the gospel with his mom and dad and they accepted Christ as well. Hallelujah. Now he pastors several churches and I preached for him one Sunday morning several years ago and his mom and dad were on the front row as well as some Iranian Christians who were of the Assemblies of God who had escaped Iran and came out of prison. Every time they would put this guy in prison, he'd keep preaching the gospel. So finally they said, you got to leave our country. And he was on the front row that day. Well, oh, hallelujah. What God knows exactly where you are. And he knows exactly how to get to you. And you can't go too far to get out of his reach. And you can't sin too much to be too bad for God to find you and be able to transform your life. Some of you have been living under guilt and living under condemnation and you believe you can never be forgiven. You've done something so bad. I'm here to preach a good news to you this morning and that is you can be forgiven and God can cleanse everything that you've done in your life and wash it away. He can give you a fresh start. Hallelujah. And He'll forget the past and He comes to bless you. He comes to turn around your life. He comes to bring you joy. He comes to take the darkness away and bring light. He comes to give you happiness, taking away the depression, taking away the anxiety. Hallelujah. He comes to open your eyes like he did Paul. The scales will fall. The ignorance will fall. The darkness will fall. And Jesus will become everything to you. My God, I feel like preaching this morning. Somebody give him a shout if you know he's He's able to say, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, he, will, he knows how to speak to you. He knows how to transform you. He comes and he makes all things new. I had a friend that uh, I knew in the Appalachian Mountains and, and he was a real honky-tonk guy. But none of y'all know anything about that, so. He's like, you know country partier guy so he and his friends get together and they were going to drink and go see Hank Williams Jr. in concert so he got in the car and he said something was wrong with me I just I just wasn't into it so I said I'm not going to drink tonight guys so he didn't and they they got to the concert and he said Hank came out drunk and he said I'm sitting there or standing there and I'm just feeling not right he said, I was feeling bad. It was conviction was on him in the middle of a Hank Williams Jr. concert. And he said, I just couldn't wait to get home. And I got home and I said, the next time at my mama's church, I'm going. So the next time they had service, he went to the church. He went there. They gave him an altar call. He gave his life to Jesus. God radically transformed that young man, called him to preach, filled him with the Spirit. He now pastors a church, has a TV ministry, he's a friend of mine. <laughs> I love that story because God can even sneak into a Hank Williams Jr. concert. And he can grab a hold of you 
and he can call you into the ministry. Come on, man. You think, no, that can't happen outside of church. No, God lives outside the church. He lives in the world, and he's calling you out. Hallelujah. And then when he calls you out, and he speaks to you, and he transforms your life, he doesn't just leave you, but then he puts a fire in you to take the message and to share it with the world. That's why he was coming to Paul from the get-go. He said, you, you will suffer great things for my name. I mean, that's not the message we want to hear, but that's what Paul got. You're going to suffer great things for my name. And then Ananias was, you know, had this trepidation about seeing Paul. He said, no, go tell him. He's going to do something for me. God had already called this man when he was persecuting the church. God had already singled him out to be an apostle when he was far from God. So when he came in, then he said, yes, Lord, I'll do whatever you say. And he became a scary evangelist. Why do I say scary? Because the Bible says all the saints in Damascus were afraid of him. Because they saw this guy walk in. You think people freaked when you walked in church. This guy walked in, they were like, what's he doing here? Get this guy out of here. But they, but they saw the life change, and then eventually the Jews wanted to kill him. They had to let him down by a basket at night to sneak him out of the city. Then he comes to Jerusalem, and he shows up bobbling down the way in Jerusalem. Hey, guys. And they're all scared of him. The Christians are scared of him. The Jews now hate him. They had to tell him, you need to go home. You need to go back to uh, Cilicia. You need to go back to where you're from. So he goes home. But then there was a brother by the name of Barnabas who was in the Antioch church, and they needed a radical, Holy Ghost-filled, transformed person to go on the mission field. And he said, I got a guy. I know a guy. Let me go call him up and bring him from there. And they brought him into the prayer meeting. And lo and behold, Acts chapter 13, verse 2, the Holy Spirit says, separate unto me Barnabas and Paul for the work I have for them. And he goes and he becomes a missionary. God doesn't leave you where you are. But he takes you from point A to point B to point C. And he keeps moving you across the table. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I received a prophetic word in 2018. said, Hans, you're like a, 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 a piece of a piece on the chessboard, and God is moving you across the table. Hallelujah. It's what He wants to do with you. He wants to move you across the table from this thing to this thing, from glory to glory, and He wants to bless you because we have a message to proclaim. When you get born again, don't you know the devil hates to see you wake up every morning? He hates to see you get share your testimony. He hates to see you go to Walmart and smile at people and shake hands with people. He hates to see you down at Food Line witnessing to somebody back near the frozen chicken. Hallelujah. He hates to see you down at the tire store witnessing to the worker there who's... I don't know, maybe not being the nicest that day and you're being a Christian, hallelujah. He loves to see you drive to Virginia Beach and somebody flips you off and you start praying for them in the name of the Lord. That's what God wants to see and the devil hates it. 
Why? Because we come to bring judgment on his kingdom and every time we proclaim the gospel, it announces to the principalities and powers, there's a power greater than you. (laughs) Someone has already sealed your defeat. Hallelujah. And we're here proclaiming the victory of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to proclaim it until the trumpet sounds. Until the archangel yells out. Hallelujah. Until the graves burst forth. We have a message to proclaim. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Come on, somebody give him a praise. Hallelujah. Come on, give me a wave. Say, I got a message. Come on, I got some proof to carry. You are the proof. You're filled with the proof. And now you're going to take the proof to the world. All right. Give me me a couple minutes. We're going to pray. We designed this service today to be an hour long so we could preach the gospel to the maximum amount of people in the shortest amount of time. Come back next week. We may go longer. Stay to the next service. We may shout to about 1 o'clock, Garner. I don't know, man. Yes. You have a message to take. You think about it. We had a young couple in this church. Their names were Chase and Christina. They worked with us and did a lot of great ministry here. Christina worked with me for years. And Chase worked with our youth. And he did many other things. But they felt a call of God on their life. And today they're in... Asia, preaching the gospel. And I just saw it stirring them and developing them. We have another young lady named Samantha. Y'all have met her. She's getting ready to go just in about a month, month or two. She's getting ready to go spend a year in Europe preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. She just graduated from East Carolina. She's got something stirring in her heart, and she just can't sit still anymore. One of the Gunther's daughters, uh, Kendall, she's getting ready to go on, on more of a short-term trip this summer to get her feet wet in missions, but she's going to several different countries, I think, and going to jump in there because you just can't. Once the gospel gets in you, God starts stirring you to do something greater than you ever thought possible to do in your life. Hallelujah. Sometimes I think about my own life. Why do I live in North Carolina? Why am I a pastor? What in the world am I doing on a platform? When I was a young boy, I was so shy, I wouldn't speak to people in public. I remember us going to a public restaurant. You'd have to go up and order at the counter. And I remember my family kind of pushing me to get out and order for myself so I would speak up for myself. And now, uh, and when I began preaching, my mom told me one day, she said, if you ever preach, I'll know it's God. (laughs) I'll know it's God. And I think about that sometimes. But you know, one night, I was in my little holiness church getting ready to sing a song, put a guitar on, got up to the microphone, and something hit me from heaven. The power of God came on me, and I started preaching. It just it fell on me. My pastor came up behind me and unstrapped the guitar and pulled it away from me. And I grabbed the microphone and ran back and forth on the front preaching just as hard as I could. Then I came to my senses. <laughs> Put the microphone back, sang a song and said that. And my pastor got up and he said, we're going to have church Thursday night. Now, we didn't have a Thursday night service. He said, but Thursday night there's a special meeting and, and Hans is going to preach. And after the service, he said, I've never heard you raise your voice. I thought, I don't know, man. Something hit me. Something had transformed my life. And now something hit me to pull that out of my life and be able to share it around the world. 
Oh, hallelujah. So don't be surprised at what God does. Don't be surprised that all of a sudden you open your mouth and something comes out and you're like, man, that was brilliant. Where did that come from? I know I can't think this thought. Where did that come from? Yeah, God is not going to leave you where you are. He's going to send you out with the proof to share with the world. Can everybody shout amen? Stand on your feet with me. We're going to pray. Thank you so much for listening today, watching with us, opening your heart to the Word of God. It's my highest honor to preach the Word. Our church exists to reach people like you. That's why we exist, to be able to communicate the gospel to the entire world. God has given us such an amazing outreach here to be able to do it this way through the internet and stuff. It's just, it's just absolutely amazing. So I pray that God has touched you today, that God has ministered to you, and I want to pray for you right now. If you need to accept the Lord into your heart, give your life to Jesus, or if you need healing in your body or healing in your mind, I want to pray for you right now. Could you join with me? Come on, just make this declaration. Jesus, I believe you are my Lord and my Savior. I repent of all sin, and I commit my life to you right now in Jesus' name. Come on, if you need healing, stretch out your hand. Father, for those who need a healing touch, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you heal them body and mind and touch them right now. We rebuke the disease and sickness that it's afflicting their body, and I pray for a complete wholeness. Come over them in the name of Jesus, and we give you thanks for it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, give him praise right where you are. Thank God for everything he's done in your life. Tell somebody what the Lord has done for you. We love you guys, and it's a privilege to come to you.